Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel picks up exactly where we left off last week. Remember last week, Jesus, he, you could say, is conducting that popular opinion poll. He asked the apostles, who do the people say that I am? Now, the people have a wide variety of answers. John the Baptist, prophet, Elijah himself. And what we learned was they're all dead wrong. And then he turns the question on the apostles. And the apostles are silent. Peter's the only one that speaks up. Through Peter's confession, divinely inspired by God the Father, he knows exactly who Jesus is, the Son of God, as well as the Messiah. And then Jesus tells Peter that upon that confession, he will build his church. More to it, Peter, we see last week, now he's elevated He assumes this leadership of the apostles. By making that statement, Jesus has elevated Peter as the new leader of the apostles, which is good, very good. So today's gospel picks up exactly where we left off. Jesus essentially discussing with his apostles his future and his ministry. Jesus tells us what it means to be the Son of God and what his whole ministry entails, which is death on the cross. It says, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer greatly, and die, and be raised on the third day. Well, remember last week, Jesus, he calls Peter the rock, and upon that rock, he will build his church. Now, that is a great compliment that Jesus gives Peter. In fact, it's probably the greatest in all four of the Gospels. You never hear Jesus saying that to anyone else. And so he says it to him, but he also says it to him in front of the apostles. Again, reassuring all of them that Peter now is the leader after Jesus ascends back into heaven. Okay, great. And yet, after Jesus says these things, Peter, it says, he took him aside and rebuked him and said, Heaven forbid, Lord, that any of these things should happen to you. Well, Jesus responds immediately to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an obstacle to me. Now, that's a sharp rebuke. In fact, that's a very harsh criticism of Peter. Now, can you imagine yourself standing there witnessing all of this? You just heard this whole discussion between Peter and Jesus. And now you're saying to yourself, geez, what the heck happened? It appears that Jesus made a 180 degree turn. First, he's giving Peter one of the greatest compliments anyone has ever given by God. And yet a few minutes later, he's calling him Satan and telling him to get behind him as he's an obstruction to his ministry. 
And it appears that Jesus is very angry. So it doesn't make real sense. First, Jesus is very proud of Peter because he knows his identity. And then he's very angry with him a few minutes later because he's preventing him from carrying out his ministry. You know, it reminds me of the song from Frank Sinatra, where in one of the lyrics, he says, riding high in April and shot down in May. Well, it appears that this is happening to Peter. Now, what's going on? Well, Peter doesn't understand the cross. Jesus came to ultimately give his life as a ransom for us. And that's precisely his mission. It's the heart of Jesus' mission. It never wavered and never changed. Jesus would die so that we might live. Now, in order for us to truly understand Jesus, we have to understand his sacrifice on the cross. Again, go back to last week. Peter, yes, he's accurate in identifying who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God. The problem is he can't make the connection between Jesus as a Messiah as well as the sacrifice on the cross. Now, why is that? Well, in some ways, we kind of feel sorry for Peter. You know, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Peter, like all Jews, for centuries and centuries and centuries, have had this image and one image of what the new Messiah would look like. He would be a general, a warrior, but also a political leader. Essentially, the image that they had of the new Messiah was that of King David. He fit that model. David was both a warrior and a general, but also a great political figure. We have to realize that when David was king, he was probably considered the greatest of all the kings of Israel. When David was reigning as king, it was the golden age of Israel. It's when Israel was at their most powerful. They were the economic, military, and political superpower of that region. And they enjoyed all that. And so that's the image that they see as the coming Messiah. Now, Peter, yes, he wants glory for Jesus. But the last thing he's thinking about is Jesus' death. He doesn't want that. Now, essentially, Peter, he doesn't understand. Love implies sacrifice. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at in the gospel. That's what he's trying to teach his apostles and us. Jesus loved us to the extent that he sacrificed himself as he mounted the cross. Now, I think because we are all made in the image and likeness of God, love implies sacrifice for us too. But for us, it's innate. It's part of our DNA. It's second nature to us. And I think many of us, through the course of our life, we sacrificed for others out of love. I'll give you some simple examples. A parent. A parent tends to the needs of a sick child all night long. They don't get one wink of sleep. And yet, love implies sacrifice. Stay with that same image. The mom and the dad, they talk to each other. And one says to the other, you go back to bed. You've got to get up early tomorrow morning and go to work. I'll stay with our child. Again, love implies sacrifice. Another example, an adult son or an adult daughter 
cares for their elderly parent, even to the extent of quitting their job and reorganizing their entire life so that they can care for that parent 24 hours a day. Again, love implies sacrifice. Just take it to our parish level. Just one of the ministries we have at both parishes is St. Ben's Meal Program and the meal program at Hope House in Waukesha. Essentially, the people that volunteer for this, they could be doing something else with their time, something personal, but instead they devote their time, they volunteer to feed the hungry and the homeless of our community. And so love, yes, it implies a willingness to sacrifice. Now, does this mean the Christian life is a miserable life? We're constantly sacrificing, always unhappy, bitter, suffering? Well, no. As long as our sacrifices are seen through the lens of love, then we have a happy life. As long as all of our sacrifices, whatever they may be, as long as they're motivated by love, then our lives are not miserable or unhappy. Instead, we find fulfillment and meaning. The secret to a happy Christian life is not to avoid the cross, but to keep love alive, recognizing that the sacrifices we make are motivated by love. Now, remember, when you hear that term love in sacred scripture, it's not an emotion and it's not a term of affection. It's essentially to will the good of another. Now, Jesus continues. He says, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. No Christian ever lives out the gospel without eventually encountering the cross. Well, that's so true. If we truly are living by the teachings of Christ and his church, then we're always living in the shadow of the cross. St. Augustine once said, Nothing great is ever achieved without suffering. Well, when you stop and think, that is so true. Nothing great is ever achieved without suffering. Well, it reminds us that discipleship, yes, it has a cost. And Jesus is telling that. He's telling that to us very clearly in the gospel. It's a basic spiritual truth that the life that we share with Jesus Christ is really a call to heroic and self-sacrificing virtue. Now, living by the teachings of Christ and his church are not always going to be easy. Jesus never promised that they would be. In fact, if we live the virtuous life, we'll always live it in the shadow of the cross. And if the burden of the weight of our cross is too hard, well, then we have to rely upon others to help us support that cross. And see, this is why it's so important for us to belong to a parish and a faith community. One of the important roles of a parish is essentially to bear the crosses or bear the burden of others as we share each other's joys. Look at Simon of Cyrene. He helped Jesus carry his cross so that Jesus would be able to carry out his mission. At the heart of all three of the scripture readings for us this weekend, they teach us that if we want to rise with Jesus on Easter, we also have to share in his cross and suffering on Good Friday. 
And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.